So I have Dennis Rodkin in the studio today. He's the residential real estate reporter with Crane Chicago Business. I'd like to thank you for coming in, giving us your time. Uh, how's your day been so far? Oh, it's good. It's been, uh, I've reported on some negative data and looked at a really beautiful property. So <laughs> those, you know, those are sort of the two sides of what I do. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what, you want to start with positive or negative? Which would you like to talk about first? <laughs> well, I wouldn't like to talk about the negative first, but I do think it's more important that people hear it because... All right. Um, we have a very weak real estate market, r residential real estate market in Chicago. And what do you, what do you feel is leaning on that or bringing that around? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, we have among the highest property taxes in America. Mm -hmm. We have the fear of further property tax increases, both in Chicago and in other areas because of the pension problems and other financial problems in the city and state. Right. Um, we also have population loss. All of these are connected to one another. Mm -hmm. Population loss obviously diminishes the demand for homes. Another thing we have is, and this is true in most cities, is we have a big move from living in big suburban mansions to living in downtown condos. Mm -hmm. And that has hit places like Lake Forest and Burr Ridge, Hinsdale, really hard. Um, so those are just a few of them there. We could go on for an hour just on this topic. Right, right. <laughs> so people are moving because of taxes, and then taxes have to go up because there's less of a base. Is that correct, somewhat? Uh, I don't know how many. We, we don't have a count on how many people have moved because of taxes. Many people say they move because of taxes. Mm -hmm. The question is whether taxes are the straw that broke the camel's back or mm -hmm. taxes really were the spur for people to move. Um, but it, one example of what you're describing, the, the harshest example of what you're describing is South Cook County, where mm -hmm. people have been moving out for a very long time, not just in the recent uh, years. And and so did industry. We lost thousands of industrial jobs in South Cook County and Northwest Indiana around the turn of the 21st century. And the combination of people and industry leaving has jacked up taxes in those areas to Immensely. levels. Yeah, if you live in the western or northern suburbs, you have no idea how bad it's gotten in the southern suburbs. So are people in the southern suburbs, um, I'll use... Tinley Park going east. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people seem to be just jumping right over the Indiana-Illinois border, right? Is Easiest that... thing in the world to do, right? right? I mean, a commute or a adding to your commute of maybe 15, 20 minutes sure. uh, can drop your property tax bill dramatically, as well as your cost of housing. You give up certain things. You, it, you may be farther from downtown Chicago if you're a user of downtown Chicago. Right. But of course, a lot of people in the south suburbs, as well as in the north or west suburbs, have no need to get into the city. Right. Um, but yeah, there is quite a bit of move right across that line. All right. And as far as the we have a new mayor, reasonably new, mm -hmm. with just a whole lot going on in the city. Yeah. Uh, but taxes, as you made mention, she promised, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, she promised that there were not going to be any uh, tax hikes. But there are other ways of hiking taxes without it being a specific. Like putting tax taxes on services and th or additional fees for right. services. Um, you know, I think what she has said is that a property tax increase is not on the table now, but it's not completely gone. Oh, um, okay. It's, I mean, she's trying. she has said that she's trying to find ways to do it without increasing property taxes. You know, you can't be a, a, a city official or a state official in Chicago and Illinois and the counties without being aware that property taxes are what everybody talks about. Sure. I mean, I write about it, so at every party people talk to me about it. Imagine sure. being... Mayor Lightfoot or the mayor of a suburb or the on a county board, mm. those people are hearing it way more than I am. But yeah, she, she has said that what she wants to do is see what can be done without a property tax increase. I think a lot of people have said that it appears inevitable that a property tax increase has to come. We all know the size of the hole, both in Chicago and in the state. Right. It's in the billions. And um, we are a property tax state. I mean, unless you start to charge enormous fees for everything, you know, she's got this new, she may have a new fee, increased fees on rideshare. 
mm-hmm. not going to fill the hole, you know, yeah. and how many ways. Um, so, of course, I'm not the mayor of Chicago and I can't speak for her <laughs> and I wouldn't want to have her job. Right. No. But it seems to me inevitable. And I think that's one of the reasons that people that that people have been very hesitant to buy homes recently is that it appears inevitable that this is going to have to happen at some point. Right. If she finds a way around it, that would be great. But it, it it's hard to imagine that happening. So with what you do and what you write about and what you cover and politics and taxes, they all hold each other's hands, Yeah, basically. So when you are uh, writing about and talking about real estate, just like I did, you cross that line real yeah. quick. Uh, in your coverage, have you seen, I was born and raised here, so this has been an ongoing, seems like, forever since I can remember uh, property taxes and and that balance is there anything that you know of that is being cut back to instead of uh, no (laughs) no the answer is no I mean that's one of the problems is that um, you know this is this is what's going on in the teacher strike and everywhere else is Mm. what do you cut this this is I mean no first of all I should say I generally don't cover the political side of these things right Um, there are other people on the staff who cover the politics and cover them really well what I do sort of feathers out into it and we always sort of are careful you know Mm -hmm. this is actually just over the line so you should do it it's just on my side of the line so I should do it Um, I tend to cover the real estate market buying and selling um, but property taxes figure in but no, I mean, have we seen cuts? Not really. I, I can't remember the last time no. and uh, <laughs> anything was said about a cut. If you watch my Twitter feed, when I um, write about some of these problems with home sales, one of the things you often hear, I'm not going to take a side, but you often mm-hmm. hear that's because Chicago and Illinois have been ruled by Democrats for a long time. Correct. I'm not taking a stand on that nope. point, but saying that it, it does feel to a lot of people as if, Nothing's been cut over the course of years, and spending just increases. Whether that's true is probably for somebody else to measure. Very good. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind, I, we just sort of jumped into yeah, it. Yeah, we but, did. We did. <laughs> but I would like to uh, learn a little bit about you and how you decided to get into real estate reporting, reporting it mm-hmm. at all, but the journalistic aspect of real estate. What drew you to that? Where did you start? And you know, what was your, what was your path? Short answer is somebody asked my boss said, can you cover this? And that's in 1991 and 28 years later, I'm still doing it. He has retired and I'm still (laughs) on it. Um, I was a liberal arts major, English and English from a small liberal arts college. That's not really going to, even in the 1980s, not going to get you a job. Okay. Um, and I went to journalism school at Northwestern. Very nice. And uh, was sort of casting around, doing all kinds of things. I covered school boards. I covered um, a lot of other topics. And mm-hmm. then in about 91, I was covering various things for Chicago Magazine. And a new editor of the magazine arrived, Dick Babcock. And he said, hey, I want to start a real estate column. You want to? That was 1991, and when he was about to retire in, I think it was 2012, we were at a party, um, and he said, Dennis, you know, you're you're doing a good job covering real estate. How'd you get into that? And I said, "Uh, you put me in it, (laughs) and he didn't even remember. So uh, 28 years later, I'm still doing it. That's fantastic. That's a great story, actually. It was, I yeah. Like it's, I mean, that's the power of a mentor. I mean, it, really, to go to what you talk about, that this is a man who he shaped a lot of journalists' careers sure. in Chicago. Clearly, shaped mine. Very good. And you said he's retired. Yeah. Uh, still with us. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I had still, lunch with him probably a month ago. I was just going to ask if you keep in touch. Yeah. And what's he up to? Um, he is teaching, I think, at Northwestern, teaching journalism, writing. Wow. Um, continuing on that, he just doesn't have to edit people like me anymore. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, and Cranes, you've been with Cranes. Uh, so that was Chicago Magazine. Yeah. And how long have you been with Cranes? I moved from Chicago Magazine to Cranes in early 2014, a little over five years ago. Okay. Uh any particular reason? Was it just something um, that There was drew a big you? staff change. There was, so that, that editor had retired. Magazine was going through some changes. People left. I got a new job. Great. Perfect. Can you, I read Cranes, but I don't know anything other than what I'm looking at. So your take on 
not your take on cranes, but just a little behind the scenes. Is it a, a lot of people on staff? Is it how does it? Uh, it's a well, I think it's a great bunch of people to work with. Um, great. Tend to be, I mean, you know, reporters tend to be colorful. Uh, yes. And that's true at cranes. That's great. Um, really sharp people. It's, a, it's an interesting sort of an assortment because, like, my channel is residential real estate. There are people mm -hmm. who are in the channel commercial real estate. Um, politics, media, sure. medicine, that sort of thing. And so in that respect, we don't have that much in common. But, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, we try to get the best new, the, the, the best coverage of those topics and several others that anybody in town is offering, you mm -hmm. know. And sure. um, that's about it. I mean, it's a, it's a well-run group. Oh, it's, I'm happy it's, to be there. It's fantastic. I, I enjoy reading it. Uh, and it's very highly uh, respected and thought of. And having you in here is an honor. I appreciate your time. Thanks. It is. It is. I'm happy to do it. So moving forward, I know we talked a little bit about the bad. Mm -hmm. We might come back to mm -hmm. that. Uh, but you said that you uh, had an opportunity to take a look at or write about a very nice property today. Yeah, well, so that's it, essentially that's what I started doing. That's what a lot of it is um, originally. Mm -hmm. Is this is a nice house that's for sale? Not, and I'm not in. I'm not trying to sell them. So okay. I'm not going to say you should buy this or I endorse this or anything like that. Just here's a cool house, and that's one of the reasons it appeals to me is that um, when you're writing about especially in Chicago, when you're writing about residential real estate, you're writing about architecture, mm -hmm. you're writing about the economy, you're writing about personal finance, which of course is related to, but not the same as the economy. Sure. You're writing about history, um, and you're writing about all kinds of pieces of history, segregation, the move to the suburbs, the move wow. back from the suburbs. There's a lot that can that one house can tell. Right. I don't have that much room, so you know <laughs> you can only tell the the high points. But there have been houses once owned by abolitionists, or there have been houses that have sold at record prices at one point in the economic cycle, record high prices, and very very low in another point in the economic cycle. It's a it's just a really it's a it's a fun topic to cover. There are also, you know, because we're Chicago and so in love with architecture, there's a lot to be said about, um, I just recently wrote about a condo in Marina City that was, we called it, uh, I think we called it an only in Chicago home because, you know, Marina City is really an icon of Chicago and it sure. fits into all those things I said, the history of Chicago very, very clearly mm -hmm. because um, Marina City was built to keep people from moving to the suburbs. That's really? Is that why? Yeah, I, essentially. I mean, I mean essentially. the idea was we've got all this flight out to the suburbs. Right. What can we do in downtown Chicago that is mm -hmm. that you're never going to live in, in, you know, Evanston or, or <laughs> Morton Grove or Oak Park? And one of them was, you know, let's build these high rises with these beautiful yeah. balconies and that sort of thing. So, it, I mean, so... That's the part I. That's one of the parts I enjoy most is going to these cool properties and write mm -hmm. about them, writing about them. But I also really, I do really enjoy educating people about where the market's going because mm -hmm. if you've been reading my stories and then you list your house for sale, I'd like to think you're going to do it a little differently than if you haven't been reading my stories. Sure. Okay. Um, I think I already know a little <laughs> bit to answer this question, but I, I'm going to ask it. So we're going into November, a couple uh -huh. of days, and you know, then there's the, the dreaded winter, right. which last winter was a doozy. Uh, I don't know how it translates into the real estate market, but um, in your educated, forward-looking, what, what do you see in 2020? What do you see for, for Chicago proper, but then the outlying areas, and I right. know what you said about the McMansions. Right. Uh, but just home building and and what to look for. Well, first, let's just talk specifically about home building. Uh, we are we are at an, a, a super low on building new homes outside the city, suburban subdivisions. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think at the peak we were we builders were selling something like thirty thousand new homes a year. Now they're selling something like 5,000 a year or fewer. Wow. Because we're not pushing out toward the horizon anymore. Um, the the uh, consultancy that counts those 
doesn't look at the onesies and twosies that are built in the city. It, it sure. looks at group home, or groups of homes, clusters of homes, five on a, on a site. But the guy who builds the one house on this block and another house on another block, those don't get counted. Nevertheless, there aren't enough of those to add up to that old 30,000 peak. And sure. that, all that is tied in with all those things I said, population growth or population loss. Um, so that's where we are on home building. But I, I think what we probably have to look forward to between now and November 2011 is sort of marching in place, paralysis, standing still. I don't know how else to describe it. Generally, what people say is um, the, a presidential election does or the, the run-up to a presidential election doesn't really have the big effect on the real estate market that a lot of people want you to think. There are people, but not many, who wait to see what's going to happen. Okay. Um, however, the economy certainly does. Mm. And if you've tied the economy to your president, that, that might. Um, but so we don't know where the economy is going right now. Right, A lot of people think that we will head into a recession, not only because it's overdue, mm -hmm. but because of the specifics that are going on now. Um, so we have winter, which is always a slowdown. We mm -hmm. already are slowed down because, there have, because we've been of the slowest recovering real estate market in, of big cities in America. Really? And we have all these fears of property tax increases um, and the changes in the SALT deduction the state and local tax deduction that makes it makes people at a million and up mm. more reluctant to spend sure all that together and wondering i mean this is a somewhat momentous presidential election it is. especially in terms of or in part in terms of what the economy will do as a result of whichever person is the next president or or whether this president goes forward mm. so it seems to me that whatever path we're on right now we're going to stay on it seems to me, I'm not an expert, I'm a reporter. And, and the thing is, we're on kind of a gloomy path. So I don't see any reason for it to turn up before November, 20, uh, 20. November 2020, though I'd be happy to find that there's sure. some economic boom that flushes people into the market. One of the things to keep in mind is um, interest rates, uh, this is the end of 2019, toward in late 2018, interest rates were running up, right? Mm -hmm. Looking like they'd touch 5%. Everybody said, uh-oh. Oh, no. Right? So interest rates have gone back down as a result of a lot of things. But the interest rates going back down hasn't flushed people into the market, not only in Chicago, but nationally. Sales are, sales are slowing nationally. They're not, they're not slowing as fast as they're slowing in Chicago, mm. but they're slowing. So if lower interest rates hasn't done it, right. what will? Right. So it seems to me, again, as a reporter, not an economist, sure. that things will just sort of continue where they are, and where they are is kind of slow. I understand. So with you working for Cranes, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have a lot of friends that are in real estate uh, across the country, if not around the world. So you make mention of Illinois and the taxes and the fluctuation that we're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but there are other states out there. California mm -hmm. comes to mind. Uh, New York. So you're saying that Chicago, the, the real estate market in Chicago is slowing even at a quicker pace than perhaps those other very highly taxed states. Yes. And what do you, if, if you have any opinion on it, why, why are we decelerating or, you know, losing steam quicker than they are if they're still kind of that, you know, that tax based thing too? Well, there aren't many places that have higher taxes than we do. Really, when you, when you look at it, it's primarily the New York metropolitan area part of New Jersey mm -hmm. that has the higher taxes than we do. Mm -hmm. Others have very high taxes and certainly have fears of taxes going higher. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm paying a heavy tax bill in California, but I live in California. Truth. Right? I'm yeah. paying a heavy tax bill in Chicago, and winter is driving me <laughs> nuts. Right? Right. And I was planning to go to Florida anyway. Mm -hmm. Now taxes are going up. I'll go to Florida a few years earlier. I can telecommute. Gotcha. Um, I mean, really, I think that's yeah. a big piece of it is it's easier to leave here because, I mean, I love Chicago. I've been here since 1983. Absolutely love this city. But if you're thinking of leaving, um, I think there, yeah. there are enough nudges that you would go. 
When it comes to, do you cover rentals as well? I mean, real Only estate. Only some, and- not a lot. Generally, it's houses that are for sale or sold. Okay. But I do a little bit of rental just okay. because there might be an interesting story. Sure. Well, my, my question on that would be as far as investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, builders building six flats or three flats, six, six flats um, with the idea of, of selling them to investors who want to rent them out. Is that... No, I have. I could add no insight to that whatsoever. No. Yeah. Okay. I just wasn't sure when it comes to Chicago proper, as far as the building of multi-unit buildings, if that's on the rise at all. Because I know that rents are crazy. Yeah. I. Sorry, I've got no. No, answer that's for you that's, <laughs> that's quite all right. <laughs> so you said you got here to Chicago in '83. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were you before that? Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Uh, born in Philadelphia. Graduated from high school in San Diego, and the 18 years in between was the entire country. Wow. Um, I lived in... One of the reasons I cover real estate is um, I graduated from high school at my 17th address. Really? Wow. We... All right. So you've seen a lot of a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but as a kid, you know. I mean, it it probably made me outgoing. That's true. I always had to meet new kids. That's very true. Uh, Other than Chicago, uh, and again... You did all this as a kid. Uh, places that have fond memories, cities that you think of highly, not as highly as Chicago, but other places that you really like? Well, I think the city where I was born, Philadelphia, Phil- is one of the most beautiful in America. Really? Beautiful if you're not thinking of weather in America. Gotcha. Sure. I also, I, the city where I graduated from high school, San Diego, is oh. also really beautiful. Right. Um, I went to college in a town called Claremont in California which was perfectly located. It's about 35 miles east of downtown LA. So on your lunch break, mm-hmm. you can drive straight up. I used, we would drive 20 minutes up into the mountains and hang out with um, bighorn sheep. You could go really? to, you were an hour from the beaches, an hour from the desert. Um, it's a little town and it's surrounded by some kind of industrial sort of not great suburbs. But okay. I, I think of that location more than that town as like ideal for California because you've got beaches, mountains, and deserts all right. Yeah. And they have, they actually, they didn't when I was in school, but they now have something called Ski Beach Day where you go up the mountains and ski and then you drive to the, beach, to the beach both on the same day. And you, oh, I think you write back to your friends in Minnesota and say, look what I did. <laughs> <clears throat> Very good. I like that. I like that. Um, so I know you do, besides working with cranes or for cranes, uh, you do some radio as well, correct? Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved? Uh, well, for WBEZ, which is the NPR station in Chicago, mm-hmm. I do a segment called What's That Building, which is uh, it's a, like the residential real estate, but it's generally a, not a residential building it's it's not so much an architecture piece as it is a power of place piece what happened in this building that makes it a piece of chicago what should you know um, for example uh, the man who invented or wrote the story of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer we did the building where he lived and the building not too far from us right now where he wrote it um really we've done yeah he huh. was a montgomery wards copywriter and so he wrote it in the Montgomery Wards right. building, which is near us here. But he also he wrote it in his apartment, which yeah. is in Lakeview. Um, we've done. I'm trying to think of others we've done. We did a map of Barack Obama sites mm. from where he worked to where he met Michelle and, sure. <clears throat> pardon me, all his ver- his uh, the, the home and work addresses while he was here. So it's not so much, um, you know, this is a shiny new piece of architecture as it is. There's something that happened here that you might want to know about. And it's a cool piece of architecture in many cases. Sure. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's historical research generally, and it's, it's trying to sort of pull up things that you might not, like not just do the, the um, I don't know, the Willis Tower that everybody right. knows, sure. but get to a place that tells a story that people may not be aware of. There's Going back to abolitionism, we did one in Wheaton. The main building of Wheaton College has a very strong tie to abolitionism as the college does but there were there was actually there's an important piece of history there and so we talked about that and how do you i mean that's really cool how do you 
How do you find these places? Do people write to you or call you? or? <laughs> well, when you're reading the newspaper in the morning, yes, I'm reading the newspaper from 100 years ago today. That's just what I do. Um, I read the old news, because you can do it online, it's just this thing I've fallen into. And so I find, I mean, I may find a building that I could do for WhatsApp building. I may find just something to put on Twitter. Like uh, earlier this week, I had a thing, um, whatever the date was, let's say October 25th, 1959, there was a proposal to build um, toll-operated sidewalks above the L tracks in the loop. So you would uh, you'd be moved five miles an hour around the loop on a conveyor belt right. on foot, paying a toll. So I stuck that on Twitter. It, those are just the things that that's uh, I guess you'd call it a hobby. It might be an eccentricity. It's somewhere in between. Well, uh, it's fascinating. I, I would never even I didn't know that you could do that. It's, it's uh, just it's a fun little you know it's just a it. I think, and the more you do it, the more you want to do it. You know, yeah, the more sure. you want to find of these strange things. We, I, I find a lot of the, um, the, we're in 2019. You probably know that 1919, there was a, a very um, violent race riot in Chicago in mm-hmm. the summer. Mm-hmm. And when you read the newspapers from that time, um, I found places, individual houses that were bombed and, and that sort of thing. And it's just, wow. it's kind of interesting to look at that stuff in the context of what's going on today. Like those toll operated sidewalks, mm-hmm. looking at them in the context of what's going on today. It's just a, a thing I like to do. Well, I, I, that's right. <laughs> so is it, how, if you don't mind my asking, but I guess that's why you're here. So uh, <laughs> ask away. There you go. Uh, is it a particular website or is it a group? How do you find uh, these things? It's called newspapers.com. It's a paid subscription. And okay. I generally read the Chicago Tribune from 100 years ago today, as well as 90, 80, 70, yeah, 60, sure. et cetera, years ago today. Just a quick read. But, you know, if you wanted to read the Borneo News, it's on there. That kind okay. of thing. Yeah. And with you being a journalist, and I'm assuming while you're reading other people's work, you're reading it as an interested party, but also as a journalist, not critiquing, but sort of thinking oh, and sure. comparing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I criticize everything everybody else does. No question. Oh, geez, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but, but uh, so what do you see from, let's say, 100 years? Uh-huh. We'll go 100 years back. In comparison to how things are written today or looked at or presented, is there what differences or what similarities do you see? Uh, well, of course, there. Uh, well, one of the things I was just talking about the 1919 riots, of course, there's a lot of mention of Negroes and colored people, sure. um, which is, it, it, I mean, you kind of have to stop every time you see it. Right. Um, because the newspaper will say, somebody was mugged by a Negro and certainly doesn't bother to say whether the person who was mugged is another race. Um, There's a lot more. uh, I think a lot of reporters were getting away with more than my editors would let me get away with. Not quite editorializing so much as um, pushing the drama a little bit more. Really? Yeah. More back then. Oh, yeah. Well, now I work for Cranes where we don't push any drama. We're we're careful. Um, We're not... Uh, you know, one of those, we, uh, I have editors who stop me from using the adjectives that are, you know, too exciting. That makes it sound like they want it to be boring. (laughs) No, I know what you're saying. You don't want to load the sentence. You know, I'm not trying to tell people you should like this house. Right. Just trying to tell people this is what this house looks like. Gotcha. Um, While a hundred years ago, if I'd been covering real estate at the time, I'd have been saying this man who built this house is amazing and his house is amazing and it's cheap. That's Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, Cranes is very factual and uh, to the point without leaving facts out from what I yeah. know I mean, from what I read. Yeah. Well, you know, mainstream news organizations, regardless of what some people want to say these days, mm-hmm. I mean, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, Cranes, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, New York Times, publications like that that's what we try to do mm-hmm. people will tell you that we're doing something else that you have a viewpoint in your story mm-hmm. but we try very hard not to interesting okay um that is a whole different conversation yeah. for, oh, yeah. for perhaps a different time but um so the wbez segment that you do is it weekly every other th- every other week every other week yeah and people is it 
particular day, night? Thursdays. Even? It's on the show that is called Reset. It's on the midday show. It formerly was on, there was a morning show called um, The Morning Shift. That gotcha. went away this month and became a midday show called Reset. And so I'm thurs every other Thursday, generally around 1245. But they're also, they're posted online. So oh, people yeah? can go back and see, you know, what I did three years ago. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then as far as your columns with cranes, uh, weekly, daily, monthly? A couple times a day. A couple uh, times a day, really. There's not a quota, but I tend to do probably about seven or eight stories a, a week. But they're short. Okay. Um, something will go in print. There's always – there are some things that repeat every week, something we call before it hits the market, which is a, a nice property coming on the market. There is data that comes out on – number of home sales, how prices are going, that kind of stuff. There's somebody listing a house. There's a house that has sold. All those sort of roll out on their own schedules. And I I think I, I – did I just say eight or nine? Probably something like that. Maybe more like six or seven stories a week. Well, short. That's, that's quite – short. But still. Yeah, I, it's news. You have news, to look into it. Know. and Yeah, the people covering a police beat are writing more than that. You know. True. Okay. Yeah. And you go to, when you're writing about these homes, uh, we live in a technology age right. where everything can be done uh, from miles away. But do you find, do you go to a lot of the homes? Do you walk through them to get a feel for what you're going to write? Or I go work? to as many as I can. Um, I'm writing too many. Once upon a time, when, when we didn't have the internet, when I was just writing for print, Right. You know, there was time because the story wasn't going to come out for a month. So there was time to say, well, you know, will you be around at nine o'clock next Monday? Can I come sure. now? I'm in a little bit more of a hurry. I go to as many as I can. Um, but of course, there are photos sure. um, often online. If I'm writing about the home of somebody, especially when prominent people list or sell their homes, mm. they generally don't talk to me. Um, really? And they're also not going to invite me into the house. Really? Um, so a lot of that is done with the photos. Interesting. And I would assume uh, if I were going to list my home, presumably a very nice home, if right. I'm of more means than I am right now, let's say, uh, I would want you to come in. And I mean, with Cranes being the stature that it has and you being in the industry as long as you've been, if for you to not load it with adjectives, right. like you said, but do a nice piece on it. I would want you to come in and take a look-see. Please tell all your friends who are CEOs what you just said. <laughs> it, I, you know, I wish that were true. There are people, that, well, so there, there are various types of people. There are the ones who say, absolutely not. I will not talk to you. I want my, I want this all kept out, even though, mm. I mean, the, the thing is, everybody can find this now. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm trying to do it every day, so I'm out ahead of just the person who happens to Google Bob Smith, the CEO of Smith Company. <laughs> right. But um, it's all findable, generally. Uh, but pe some people don't want it mentioned at all. Some people will, for lack of a better term, play along. They'll say, okay, sure. Others do invite me in. There are people who invite me in. But, you know, I mean, this goes back to in the early 90s when there was no Internet, really. Um, and I was finding out things like where Michael Jordan was building his house and where all the TV news anchors and, um, well, famously, Danny Bonaducci, who used to be on the right. radio here, owned yeah. houses. They didn't really want to play along. Mm. Now, if you're listing your house, you're, you might talk to me. But um, one of the problems is people, like, I'm a CEO and I'm listing my house for $5 million and I don't want my employees to see that I have a $5 million house. Well, my thought is they know. Yeah, they, they've already they figured looked. it out. And even yeah. if they don't know the house is worth $5 million, they know you make a lot of money and probably right. could have a house at that level. Right. But if you don't want to talk to me, you don't talk to me. No, I get it. Okay, that makes sense. I did see, uh, I follow your Twitter feed, of course, and I saw uh, yesterday, today, yesterday, uh, there was a home that was on the market, beautiful, by the way, uh, that wound up reducing its yeah. price for what four mil over four came mil, down yeah. four mil, yeah, which is astounding to me. Um, and I don't, I, I can't remember the the dollar amount that it actually sold for. Started at nearly seven, sold for a little over two point seven. Wow. Took five years. Yeah. So that was the former CEO of Illinois Tool Works of ITW. That's what it was. Right, um, right. And it took five years to sell. And the thing about that is um, that's in Lake Forest. 
Mm-hmm. Lake Forest over the past couple of years has, I mean, the change has been enormous. The number of, if you read the, you, you, well, you saw it on Twitter, but if you read the bottom of that story, mm-hmm. he's about the fifth big company CEO or former CEO who has mm-hmm. sold at a big loss uh, in Lake Forest in the last few years. His may not be a loss. He sold at far less than he was asking for it. Right. He and his wife sold it for far less than they were asking for it, but they had bought it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We've seen mansions... Um, this is not an example of it, but we've seen mansions in Lake Forest sell for below their 1990s price, their early oh. 1990s prices. We've had them sell, we've seen them sell for below 1992, 1993 prices, whether that's the price that the current seller paid or a past seller paid. Right. Lake Forest is fascinating to me because one of the things I do is the top sales of the year. Mm-hmm. In 2007, um, when I was working for Chicago Magazine and, and only did the top five sales of the year for mm-hmm. the six-county region, in 2007, Lake Forest had three of the highest-priced home sales for the entire Chicago region for the year. Right. Ten years later, 2017, the highest Lake Forest got was number 21 on the list. Wow. So it had been three of the top five, and it wasn't even in the top in 2007, and it wasn't even in the top 20 in 2007. Uh, 17. Right. Um, Lake Forest is, it's just a different place than it was a generation ago in terms of real estate. It's still a great place to live. Sure. Still has all the things it had. Sure. But um, if you're a CEO, you're now more inclined to buy a big penthouse down here. Sure. Um, If you've just arrived with a lot of money, which Mm -hmm. used to be one of the things that sent people up to Lake Forest, Mr. T bought up there when he got rich, (laughs) right? right? Cut down the trees. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And that house is for sale, has been for sale for a few years. Really? Uh, Not by Mr. T. He sold it a long time ago. But if you're somebody like that, you're likely to buy a penthouse down here, or if not a penthouse, a high-end condo, um, or buy in Lincoln Park, in the West Loop, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Um, Lake Forest Forest agents who are watching this will want to hurt me but lake forest <laughs> has lost a lot of its luster it's just not the top of our real estate market anymore gotcha. and it was in the 70s 80s 90s into the early 2000s well what okay so <clears throat> if lake forest is not um and i know what you said as yeah. far as people uh buying penthouse condos apartments um but as far as suburbs like i live out by burridge uh-huh. i've always loved Oak Brook. It just, to me, I don't know, it's just, it's it. Um, I, I can honestly say, I know I've been in Lake Forest, but I couldn't tell you anything about Lake Forest. Yeah. Um, it's so, beautiful. Uh, I, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure. And there, there are <clears throat> several northern suburbs that are gorgeous oh, yeah. that I just, I just don't know that much about. Um, but as far as suburbs getting out of Chicago proper and the penthouse suites, uh, where is sort of... You said Burr Ridge is losing a little bit. Hinsdale, which I'm very familiar with, is losing a bit. Um, where, suburban-wise, where are people going? It's hard to answer this year because the sag has gotten deeper and deeper as the year has gone on. Gotcha. Um, places like Western Springs, LaGrange, mm. have been doing well, though some of the air is going out in recent months. Really? Um, yeah, just because there's not – there's just – there's not so much activity region-wide, and that includes these places. Mm-hmm. I recently did a thing. Flossmore was doing really well. Flossmore was mm-hmm. because, again, it's in South Cook County. Mm-hmm. It's been very slow, to, or it was very slow to recover, and it's really picking up in part because Flossmore is a beautiful place with great amenities and that sort of thing, but in part because prices are so low there mm-hmm. because it didn't recover right. at the rate others did. What was doing really well for several years at the beginning of the recovery was anything that touches or nearly touches the city from Park Ridge all the way down to North Riverside. All those towns, a a band of towns, um, Oak Park, Mm -hmm. everything else along there, um, because they were sort of, most of them are served by public transit. True. Um, They're urban without being city. They have, Mm -hmm. you know, nice little downtowns and things like that. Sure. They're older. They were doing really well. The, 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 it has faded just a little bit just because we're in this period where there's not a lot of buying. I also did a story recently saying LaGrange Park was doing really well, partly because everything around it is slowing down and it's a little less expensive 
Mm-hmm. Part of the reason LaGrange, for example, is slowing down is that its prices were going up fast. Mm-hmm. And so I've started thinking, ah, maybe I can't afford LaGrange. Right across the street is LaGrange Park. I can still walk to the train station, walk to beautiful downtown LaGrange, sure. which has shops for my, for, well, all yeah. up and down LaGrange Road. Sure, it does. Um, and pay just a little bit less. So price um, sales have risen in LaGrange Park while either sort of staying flat or dropping in the towns around it. So it's almost a little balancing of the scales. Yeah, but the question will be, how, you know, how long does that last? I mean, right. not that I, I don't want to ding uh, Flossmore or LaGrange Park. It's just that we've got this droop. And if, as I just said, you know, we continue on this sort of droopy or gloomy path through November 2020, then, you know, they all start to say, yeah, well, it was really good a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. Right. But bright spot, though, let's talk about the West Loop. I mean, the West Loop is going sure. nuts. The West Loop, I'm working on a story now where I'm looking at where all the high-end uh, sales have been. But there have been uh, three sales, I'm um, sorry, well, three sales at over $4 million in the West Loop this year. Wow. And there have been essentially none in the Gold Coast at over. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple, but um, the West Loop, which of course once was known as Skid Row, sure. I mean, it's getting old for me to say that because nobody thinks of the West Loop as Skid Row no, anymore. No but once upon a time, right. Um, and sh- right after the recovery, it was one of the first places where builders were building new stuff, and they mm-hmm. were saying, you know, we can probably hit a million dollars. We might get there. And right. now, not too many years later, uh, there's a building called Hayden West Loop where they've had, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think they've had 10 sales at over $2 million wow. and two more sales at over $4 million. Um, no other building in the city has done that. Yeah. And there are also $2 million sales in several other buildings, 20 North Loomis uh, and a couple of others. And another building coming about to be announced, or well, it's been a, been announced. Groundbreaking is about to happen, that will be five units all at over two and a half million dollars. This is the West Loop. This is uh, a place that you just a little while ago thought of as where young people went to rent their first or buy their right. first condo. The little lofts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But what's happening now is that those young people who got there mm-hmm. are their families are growing, their income is growing. Mm-hmm. They want to get a new place, mm-hmm. but unlike a previous generation, which would have said, okay, now I'm going to Evanston Oak Park, whatever right. it is, they want to stay in the West Loop because the West Loop just keeps getting better. It has a great school, Skinner mm-hmm. West. It has more and more restaurants all the time, and there isn't that push to move to the suburbs that there once was. And I haven't even mentioned that there's Google, McDonald's, Dyson, and all these other employers sure. there. Yeah. So it becomes essentially an aging in place neighborhood where I bought my first condo, then I bought a nicer one, and now I'm buying my $4 million penthouse all in the same neighborhood. Wow. The building that you made mention of, uh, $2 million. Hayden West Loop. Yes, thank you. So where, if you don't mind, uh, I always think of Randolph Street and Restaurant Row. 1109 Washington. Oh, okay. All right, so not, not far, actually. Yeah, it's near all of talking. what you just yeah. described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the South Loop, a while ago, was a big boom. Yeah. And I, I was a little bit late. I was looking to buy there, but I got in there too late. Um, how, how are things over there? Or what's Fine. They, I mean, if you put them up against the West Loop, the South Loop looks sort of droopy, but that's only because the West Loop is on fire. Okay. Um, South Loop, so I did a story early this year comparing the two because in the 70s, early 80s, those were both sort of railroad and industrial land, and the city sure. was looking at developing them into something new. Um, one of the things that has held the, West, the South Loop back in recent years is that it got a black eye during the condo boom of the early 2000s. It ended up with such an overhang of unsold condos Mm -hmm. um, that people went to the West Loop. That was then. Um, Mm -hmm. It still is a pretty phenomenal place. Um, There are two high-rise rental buildings that have, two or three high-rise rental buildings that have opened. There's not as much space still to build on as there mm-hmm. in, is in the West Loop, right. but there's a lot going on. Uh, they just had the groundbreaking we don't, and, and announced the start of construction for a 74-story building by Helmut Jan at, at 1000 South Michigan. They just had the mm-hmm. ceremonial groundbreaking last week uh, on Thursday and announced at the time that construction will start on 
uh, in December, they have condos priced as high as $8 million. Whoa. Whether the, we don't know yet what's going to happen. Sure. But South Loop is the, the, I mean, to me, the advantage of the South Loop over the West is the proximity to the lake. Sure. But if that's not important to you, then, the, I mean, the West Loop has the restaurants and sure. the vibe. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's two other areas that I, I like to talk about that I like to hang out in. And uh, uh, Roscoe Village. Uh-huh. I just, I don't know what it is about Roscoe Village. I just love it. It's, there's, uh, it's it's quaint, well, it feels like a village, right? I mean, it really does. does. That's one of those, they used to say Chicago's a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. And they were these ethnic enclaves, all sort of, and yeah. this, while not an ethnic enclave, does mm. feel like a separate little, I think Roscoe Village is cool. It does. I, 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 not that I think about it morning, noon, and night, but, <laughs> you know, but, but I, anytime I'm around there, uh, I, we're always we always enjoy ourselves. I always yeah. like it. Feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, as far as real estate and and pricing and such, is that is it? It's very well established. Yeah. Is it just sort of? Um, it it's kind of it's mostly leveled off. The boom in Roscoe Village would be, um, just before and just after the boom the the housing bust. I think. Okay. Um, I'd have to look at the numbers really, but I mean it really sort of started developing its own identity in the early 2000s and and snowballed after that yeah nothing has happened to turn it down mm-hmm. but it just hasn't you know gone on fire like the west loop it's a right. it's a great area lots of new construction in the i think in the years again the years around the housing bust um yeah great okay. stuff going on there just very good just not it, one of those where you go wow like well you because you know as you made mention with uh, the west loop Everything is still, still, uh, so brand new it yeah, seems, yeah. and and really up and coming. And I I hate that term; it's always so right. overused. It's, yeah. But that really is, yeah. You know, well, one of the things that's happened to Roscoe Village that has happened to a lot of those really attractive North Side neighborhoods, Lakeview, uh, that whole mm-hmm. area, is that it was going so well that prices went higher and higher, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and, and that wasn't really sustainable because our sure. economy isn't going the way the San Francisco, <laughs> Seattle, et cetera, right. economies are going. And also because I used to think, oh, I gotta, you know, I've got to be as close to the lake as I can. Those are really the hot neighborhoods. This is quite a while ago. Yeah. Now, you know, people who are shopping by the, by what they spend can go farther and farther west mm-hmm. than they did before, mm-hmm. um, and find great sort of revived neighborhoods mm-hmm. where 15 20 years ago they wouldn't have found those they still these neighborhoods were still sort of waiting to they revive were, right so that has taken some of the pressure off a place like roscoe village for good and for bad it means that prices if i'm a seller it means prices haven't gone up as much as they might sure. but if i'm a buyer it means prices haven't gone up as much as they much might they might yeah. right and it's not it's not that anything is coming down necessarily. Right. That yeah. It's it just sort of leveled off. Yeah. And, it's and nice to see those do. things happen. It's yeah. just you, you notice the West Loops of the world. Gotcha. Okay. And right here where we're sitting in River North, another area that for a long time, for and you know far better than I, of course, but it was a lot of lofts and right. that 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 feel that was a big thing for a while. So River North real estate as far as residential goodbye holds um well i I don't know what to say there have been there have been a couple of high-end luxury buildings built in the last couple of years luxury condo buildings built in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. um and those have as far as i know sold well have they yeah yeah um a couple of them just within a few blocks of us here uh you know what could go wrong it's a uh, actually i i I take that (laughs) right yeah um i mean you know you're perfectly located yeah. If for downtown employment or for employment in the suburbs because mm-hmm. of the expressways, right. restaurants, river, shopping, everything is here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see any reason. I don't see any to, black marks against shy away. the west, the river north. No. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and looking forward, what's the next? Where would you say this is ready to roll? There's something, you know, it's a neighborhood. It's so hard to say because we don't have 
you know, we're not we're not San Francisco. We're not Philadelphia. When I when I'm in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, my mother lives in the center in what's called Center City, right downtown. Oh, okay. Um, and when you walk from there, say 15, 20 blocks north, it's almost as if the gentrification is going as fast as you're walking. Really? Um, that's not happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a report that came out, I think, early this year that ta- that looked at gentrification. And while gentrification is happening in parts of Chicago, mm-hmm. it's just not happening at the pace of other cities because all those things we said, population loss, sure. our employment base recovered slower than most other cities. We, yeah. we stayed... Um, we struggled with job growth for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Rahm Emanuel, when he was mayor, was trying to fix that mm-hmm. and did some. And certainly Lori Lightfoot is trying to do the same. Mm-hmm. So we don't have gentrification moving at such a fast pace that I could tell you, you know, they're building just east of Western in this neighborhood. So buy just west of Western because it's going to get yes. there. Um, but you know, the the West Loop has a long way to go. It can sure. travel west. It can travel south and north. There are mm-hmm. areas. Um, there's one of the things that fascinates me is uh, what's going on in Bronzeville. Um, we have seen a boom in the number of five, half million dollar houses mm-hmm. in Bronzeville. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've twice written about um, the numbers were way up early in the year. And then they were up even more uh, just a few months ago over past years. Builders are putting up half million, putting up houses they can sell for half a million dollars mm-hmm. on a lot of these vacant lots in Bronzeville, um, and then they're also rehabbing uh, older homes into rental and and also into uh, for sale housing. Mm-hmm. And so Bronzeville is sort of going through this transformation. There are people who aren't excited about it, but one of the good things about it is you can build all these new houses without pushing out the people who are there mm-hmm. because there's so much empty land. Interesting. It's, there are unfortunate reasons there is so much empty sure. land, you know, but um, you can build an awful lot before people start feeling the pressure to go. Right. Okay. So Bronzeville, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but not, I, I, I can't speak to it in an right. educated fashion. Bronzeville is just south of the South Loop. Correct. Yeah, well, if you were to basically, I mean, the easiest thing for somebody who doesn't know the city well is to think of where McCormick Place is mm-hmm. and where the University of Chicago is. Gotcha. Um, it's it's more refined than that, but that's the easiest way for people who aren't in it. I mean, it starts a little farther south than McCormick Place. It ends a little farther north than okay. the University of Chicago, but State Street in the 30s, 40s, and 50s mm-hmm. is pretty much where you're talking about Bronzeville, again, in very broad strokes and um some of the oldest housing in the uh, housing beautiful housing from the from before the chicago fire from the years just after Mm -hmm. some of it uh has been rehabbed beautifully in recent years but a lot of empty lots as well gotcha from um disinvestment and public housing that's been taken down and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot is going on there um, and quite a bit of it is grassroots. Quite a bit, a bit of it is people in that neighborhood trying to build, trying to invest, that sort of thing. Some sure. of it is money coming in from outside, and sure. there does become tension. Sure. Um, but to to see these empty lots filling up mm-hmm. is, I think, a great sign. And that's somewhat adjacent to Pilsen, correct? Pilsen would be west. west. Pilsen, Pilsen's essentially southwest of the loop, a little okay. farther than that. Right, while right. Uh, of the loop, while Bronzeville would be south of south. the loop. Okay, because yeah. I know I've heard uh, I have friends that are in real estate, and there seems to be a lot going on in Pilsen. There is. Um, Pilsen's an interesting place because it was sort of poised for so long. Pilsen and Bridgeport, eighties, mm-hmm. nineties, early two thousands. People were saying those are the next. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Then finally, it has really been pushing in Pilsen, but Pilsen has a very strong identity. It has a very strong um, a community that has a very strong sense of itself. Mm-hmm. And so gentrification, the, the gentrification flashpoints have often been there because the people who are there don't want you necessarily to come in and, and change it. So mm-hmm. it's really been a place where there's been a lot of pushback against gentrification, which is not to say pushback against improving the neighborhood. 
mm-hmm. just push back against changing the people who are here, thinking right. of it as a place where affluent people come in and and buy it and, up and buy it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> this sounds, I, I can't believe it. I just looked, we've done almost an hour. Oh, did we really? Yeah. We're at 55 minutes and it flew. I love it. Oh, that's great. It. And but, what we only have to go two more hours before no, we're done, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> this is not Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask a couple things just outside of real estate. Um, get to know you just a little bit. So when you're not working and talking real estate at parties with your friends, what, <laughs> what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you like to vacation? Uh, I live on the North Shore. I live in Highland Park, okay. which... Um, to me, I like, I always say that I like Highland Park best before 7 a.m. because it's like a resort town and other people aren't out on the streets annoying me. Um, <laughs> there are, Highland Park is in that respect, I think just the epitome of the North Shore hmm. without the people because the beaches are beautiful, the trails are beautiful. I'm out very early in the morning, either riding my bike or running or walking my dog um, and absolutely love it. When people wake up, I start to get annoyed, but I'm headed downtown anyway. Right. Very good. Okay. And then when you go out, uh, get out of high, get out of Chicago, get out of the whole area, uh, where do you vacation? What's your... Well, often back to California because I have family and, and other connections there. Uh, we went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan this year. So I've lived here since 1983 and had never been to the Upper Peninsula. Didn't yeah. realize that less than a day's drive, I guess, what would that be a half day's drive? Mm-hmm. Eh, a day's drive. There are waterfalls and Lake Superior beaches and beautiful hiking. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. We got a cabin really in the middle of nowhere in the Hiawatha Forest that had that sat up on a bump with a lake down below the front door and a lake down below the back wow. door. I had no idea you could I, you could live <laughs> that way and kind of wouldn't, wouldn't mind going back. <laughs> Very good. Um, I was only, I was in the UP one time uh, at Mackinac Island. Oh, yeah. And uh, some, friends of, some friends of mine uh, got married up there, and they, we actually stayed on the island and after they they do the ferries back and forth but after 9 30 or 10 o'clock whatever time it was the last ferry left and if if you were on the island you were on the oh, island you're and, the, oh, yeah, yeah it was so cool there was uh for the wedding there was maybe it was a smaller affair maybe 50 or 60 of us up there but it seemed like it, our own little private island it was great oh that's great it was it was fun it was fun. So if you ever get back up to the UP and uh, have just a, you know, you're right up there, take a day, take the ferry, go over. It's cool. It's fun. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess the last thing that I really do want to ask is it, it might be twofold and take it where you want. We always ask for advice from our guests uh, pertaining to uh, the industry that they're in or things that they would bestow upon people trying to follow in their footsteps. So when it comes to journalism, and it could be real estate journalism or just journalism in Mm -hmm. general, um, you know, with where we are and the changes you've seen over the years, but looking forward, what, what would you tell people just that are going to journalism school and that are trying to make their way in the world? Have a wealthy grandfather. (laughs) Um, Okay. It's a, it, it has never been a high-paid profession. It's less so all the time just really? because, you know, I mean, look at the size of the uh, – look at what's going on at the Tribune, the Sun-Times, that sort of sure. thing. Um, it, it, I'm not hungry. I'm not hurting for money, but mm-hmm. you don't make the kind of uh, – so that's one thing. Um, that was partly a joke, but um, – But partly not. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, you have to go in knowing that you're not going to – I mean – you're not going to be living like some of your classmates uh, right. 20, 30 years hence. Um, uh, I would say work hard, have a, have a sense of curiosity. I mean, one of the things, you know, so, yeah, I read 100-year-old newspapers, but that's because I'm curious, you know, and um, I go and look at properties, and I think any journalist covering uh, the police or um, movie stars or uh, – real estate, mm-hmm. banking would, you know, 
you got to remain engaged and being curious takes you places in whatever the beat is you're covering sure. that you might not have figured, you might not have anticipated going. Interesting. Okay. I, I mean, but I think a, a person who wants to be a reporter has that curiosity. Right. The question is, do you want to be a reporter because you have a lot of curiosity or do you have a lot of curiosity because you want to be a reporter? Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and just to follow up on that, people that become a journalist that usually that first or second or third job, are they, are they able to say to their editors, Hey, I'd really like to cover real estate or I'd really like to cover movie stars or how does that work? How do you get, I mean, I know the story you told yeah. and that was a sort of a one-off though. It was. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, because this business has changed dramatically since I went into it in 1983, you know, you could, or well, 84. Um, uh, I, I don't really think I know how it's changed. I think, I mean, there are only so many jobs and if you're lucky to get one of those, you should do it as yeah. well as you possibly can. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. Uh, digital it's, uh, print. I think of newspapers and I think of a physical newspaper. Yeah. But people use the term newspaper now, and they're and they're looking at their, their phone, tablet, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, you know, I started obviously started out working in print because there was no digital at that time. Right. <laughs> I and I, it was exciting to see my story in print. Now I couldn't sure. care less. Right. I mean, I really I like publishing on the internet partly for the immediacy. Mm. Um, it, I wrote a story today. At, well, oh, the one about the Lake Forest Mansion that sold for so little. Right. Found out about it this morning, probably at ten thirty. The story was out probably at twelve thirty. That's great. Once upon a time, um, well, like uh, Michael Jordan's house mm. uh, back then, I if I found out about something like that, I had to keep my mouth shut for about eight weeks until it Ooh. appeared in print. Wow. And hope nobody else found out. Yeah. So I, I mean, I. I write stories for print. We have a print publication, but I don't, I mean, I'm much more interested in seeing it online. Yeah. It's easier okay. to share with people. Well, that's true as well. Okay. Very good. Um, so I tell you what, that's really, that's my whole, man, Sorry, you I'm, covered a lot. No. I can talk. You, I, <laughs> I told you I lived in, I became an extrovert because I lived in so many houses. Believe me, I would much rather have somebody come in with a lot of nuggets of info and a colorful way of putting them as you did, uh, then sit here and ask a question and get, no. You get that, don't you? Yes. You have people who... Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I do my best to do uh, not just a questionnaire, but also I will have phone calls in advance. Oh. And a lot of times uh, via LinkedIn, uh, that's how I wind up connecting with a lot of people. And uh, I will have a, you know, I'll schedule a call, hey, I you know, whatever your path was or is, I really find it interesting. And this is the show that uh, I'm a part of, and, and I'd like to have you on, but can, you know, I, I'd like to talk to you about the idea of having you as a guest. Oh, so that if Let's schedule a call, oh, and I then see. see how that goes. That's so kind of the way I phrase it. If they don't speak well, stuff. you can say, okay, yeah. I'll give you yeah. a call sometime. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, but uh, I just haven't seen you on WGN News. I, I knew, I mean, apparently you caught my attention, so I looked you up. <laughs> And here we are. That's cool. That's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to do it. So, uh, so Dennis, I tell you what, if you don't mind, I'm going to put in a request that uh, we have you back on about a year from now, a little after a year. Oh, to see now. what if I was right. Okay. Well, just to see after after the election, because I think that's just a guess, but I think the fallout or the direction is going to take place or take shape very quickly after the election. Yeah, probably. So I, I'd kind of like to put in a reservation with you now for maybe late November, early December of 2020. Sure, that's fine. kind of get a... I know you want to wrap up, but one thing, yeah, something sure. happened right after that 2016 election. Yeah. Uh, there was quite a run-up in things like home sales and things mm -hmm. like that. People had a real sense of confidence in what, where the economy is going to go. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of that has fizzled, but um, it, like it took off like a shot. Real estate agents were having far more showings. Mm -hmm. um, it was happening right away. After, I can't remember the date, but let's say it was yeah. November 7th. On November 8th. It boom. really did. Yeah, right. through the end of that year. And I know uh, the stock market, and it had, 
it had been on the increase. So yeah. I'm not just going to say, right. but uh, exponentially, it seemed consumer confidence and investment in whether it be real estate or you know any other investment vehicles really did kind of, like you said, take off like a rocket. Yeah. Um, and I am interested to see after the next election, depending on how it goes, right? Uh, you know, if there's that, well, depending on how it goes, is there going to be another spike, or is there going to, or is there going to be a, a, a further droop, so to speak? Yeah, how a that disappointment is. downturn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder. I, only time will tell. Yeah. But uh, like I said, I'd like to have you come back. Sure, uh, let's do that. In that December would be fun. and figure that out, and you can give us moving forward. Then you'll have a better idea of where we're where <laughs> so, we're heading. Yes. So, all right, sir. I'm going to. Uh, I am going to wrap this up. Again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, people can find you on Twitter at uh, Dennis underscore Rodkin. Yep. Correct. And read you uh, with Cranes. At, at ChicagoBusiness.com. Very good. And uh, call you at home anytime, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Ask me all if right. I like your house. <laughs> all right, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you all. Uh, so much for watching, and uh, we'll be back next week. Dennis Rodkin, thank you very much. Thanks a lot.